every woman has a birth story to tell. This podcast is our birth story. The birth story of how each of us became midwives. Our journey to midwifery. I'm your host, Amber Wilson, a doctor midwife. And each episode, I'll take you on another journey to hear the stories of midwives all across the globe. Listen to each tell the story of their personal journey. Listen to the words of how each was birthed into the field of midwifery and listen to the stories of trials and tribulations along the way and the love and passion each holds for midwifery. Hello, listeners. Today on our podcast, we have Lauren, who's a certified nurse midwife in Colorado. And hi, Lauren. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, um, my name is Lauren Blees. Uh, I work in a home birth practice in Colorado Springs um, with one other midwife. We are currently the only certified nurse midwives doing home birth and taking insurance south of Denver. Um, and I graduated from school about one year ago. Nice. Um, so to get into before you ever went into midwifery, what made you think you wanted to take this path and be a midwife? So, you know, I was initially pre-med while I was in school, got to the end of the pre-med process, started applying to schools and just decided that I didn't know what I wanted to do with that. Um, so I took some time and then I decided to go to nursing school, um, not because I had any particular passion for nursing, just because I wanted to take a next step and wanted to be able to support myself. And that sounded like a good idea. Um, I saw my first birth in nursing school. And from that moment, I knew it was this something, something within this was what I wanted to do. It was the first thing I'd experienced in nursing that really felt like a privilege to me to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, So from there, I got into women's health nursing. And I um, started on postpartum and quickly begged them to train me to labor and delivery. And I did some labor and delivery, but uh, not enough to scare me off of midwifery. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I just, I worked at a great hospital. It was an academic facility. They practiced decent evidence-based medicine. They were even starting a low intervention program. Um, But I just... I felt like the moment of birth deserved more joy and awe and respect than I saw it being given there. So I felt like I really knew that I wanted to be there for births, but that that wasn't how I wanted to do it. So I was actually anticipating getting more experience and maybe coming out to um, Colorado from Missouri and doing more labor and delivery and then applying. And I had gone to a perinatology conference and the professor emeritus um there was a professor emeritus that was the keynote speaker and she was actually a midwife from uc denver where i ended up going to school and um you know at that point i'd been nursing for about a year and i asked her you know should i get more experience what what do you think and she said oh just apply just come start midwifery school don't even worry about it So from that point, I rented a house in Colorado Springs and then got a job um, at UC Health and then I applied to school and got in. Wow. So you moved from, where did you say? From from Columbia, Missouri. Okay. That's a big change. Yeah, they, um, there is no school of midwifery in Missouri. um, And I did know a couple of CNMs, but um, 
the H word was forbidden, home birth, <laughs> which was <laughs> what I felt that I was eventually called to do. Um, so I knew that I needed a, a change of environment to get where I needed to go. That's really nice. So especially as a home birth um, midwife, what made you choose the path of CNM versus a CPM or, or a licensed midwife? So I honestly didn't even know that there were other pathways. Uh, so I just, uh, I just went and got, I mean, at that point I had already had my BSN, um, mm -hmm. was a nurse. So it only made sense to me to become a certified nurse midwife. And I do value, uh, the medical aspect of my training, the learning, the abnormal, um, and knowing when to recognize it and just the comfort level that I developed with people and patients throughout that time. So I mm -hmm. feel that, that was an integral part of my journey. I also come from a very medical based family. My mom's a nurse, my dad's a surgeon, my grandpa was a family practice physician. So for me, it didn't, I don't think I could have uh, stopped at another route. Yeah. Or sorry, not stopped another route, but gone another route. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so did you consider any other schools for your um, graduate degree? I had grown up in Colorado and most of my family lived there. So uh, UC Denver Onshoots was the only only school that I applied to. Uh, and I also really liked about them that they actually place their midwifery students in clinicals uh, that they have set up themselves. So they actually have two midwifery practices and you can just go right into clinicals and they set everything up for you. And it sounded like a lot of people were struggling to find clinical sites. So that was really valuable. That is, yeah. Um, and how is their program set up as far as classroom time, uh, when clinical falls into the rotation and things like that? So they have actually just recently been revamping their program. So how it was when I went through it won't, it won't continue to be that way. A new director came on board the year before I started and she is incredible, very supportive of out of hospital, uh, very supportive of students and their interests and in just really honing in that learning curriculum. Um, when I went through it the first year, I worked full time and it was basically online. We had a few days here and there on campus, uh, but it was all just kind of the generic classes, uh, the master's level of the same things that you take in nursing school, like assessment, pathophys, pharmacology, theory, research. Um, so then the second year was challenging and they're not setting it up this way anymore, but we had a uh, like a week of skills where we were on campus learning. And then day one, we jumped into clinical and that was also when we started our specialty classes. Uh, so I hadn't had any specialty training. I had had the background in postpartum and labor and delivery, but as you know, being a midwife is a whole nother ball game. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was really challenging to not have that specialty knowledge and to be expected to be a clinical midwife student uh, from day one. So the mm -hmm. whole second year we had specialty classes and all of our clinical hours. And then that last summer, um, was like capstone and, uh, it, like externship that like mm -hmm. the integration clinical. Mm -hmm. And you said you did work during clinicals. Yeah, I worked part-time during my whole second clinical year, which was challenging. That was probably the hardest year of my life. Uh, but it was worth it to have relatively low debt afterwards. And what I did throughout the program is I saved up my time off. So then during that summer um, where I needed to be on call most of the time, I actually was able to take most of that summer off just with the leave I had saved up. 
And it really helped having a supportive manager at my job that knew that midwifery had to come first and was willing to work with me on certain things. Yeah, that is nice. Um, as you were going through school, did you have children or a partner, anything like that? Uh, so I was engaged for the last year of school and we just got married last summer. I don't have children. Uh, he does have a 12-year-old daughter, so I have a stepdaughter now. Okay. And how would you say, what would be your comment on the support of the partner while you're in school? So I think that it's hard for anybody to date a midwife. <laughs> um, we have demanding schedules. The, the nice thing about our relationship is that he's also very ambitious and he was also in grad school and working full time. So I think that it was really nice that we were on the same page at the same time. So we were able to be more supportive um, of each other. And we also, neither of us had that need to to be together 24 seven because it just wasn't a reality at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, how old were you when you started your graduate degree? Um, 29, 30. Uh, you did say you worked during school and that helped you finance. Is that all you used? Did you pay your own tuition? Did you use loans? Like how did you go about paying for school? So I, uh, I use loans like, like we do. Um, and I also, the school, the school that I went to, they had an opportunity for scholarships once a year where you would write an essay for each and every scholarship, which is exhausting. Um, mm -hmm. so I wrote, you know, 20, 30 essays each year that I was there. And one, one year I ended up winning about, um, about $5,500, which was helpful, mm -hmm. but it was just working and um and loans so you know you have loans you're paying off now i'm almost there but yes i still have nice. a little bit left good job Thanks. um not everyone gets to say that so <laughs> after you graduated how um, long till you passed boards did you pass the first time and what tools did you use to study um so i i Graduated in mid-August, I think was our official like end date, and I was able to take my boards September 6th. I was also really, really on top of it. Um, there were people that, you know, were in our program that said, you know, put in the application with DORA, which is the Colorado State Board of Nursing, um, put in your stuff with them, and, uh, you know, they'll ask you for your for your actual diploma, you won't have it yet. Just put it in and then send it to them later. Um, so I finagled that to get to be able to take my boards as soon as I did. Um, and then I got to take my exam September 20, or no, I took my exam September 6th and then I was licensed by September 26th. Wow, that is so fast. I was really motivated. Um, the gal that I currently work with, I had started clinic, clinical with her February. Mm -hmm. um, while I was still in school and then I did my summer integration clinical with her too and mm -hmm. she had, she had hired me um which was amazing so she wanted me working as soon as possible um because she was also pregnant and was looking forward to a postpartum leave and wanted a trained midwife working with her mm -hmm. um so yeah that's my next question what does your current this is your first job out of out of graduation, obviously. Um, what does that practice look like? The model of care, your average patient load, uh, your schedule, like, you know, about if you could give a number, how many hours you work per week, your autonomy level, all those things. 
that somebody would be looking to ask you what your life was like, share with us. So I am incredibly lucky uh, to have gotten a job right out of school in a field um, in home birth, which is what I wanted to do. Um, I did consider initially like potentially setting up my own practice. Um, but I'm very glad I didn't have to. Um, so it just so happened that um, that my current boss was looking for a second midwife. Um, last year, last practice year, we did uh, 92 births and 87 of them happened at home. Um, so we average, I would say, about eight to 10 births per month. Um, you know, people risk out various months or sometimes there are months that are a little slower, a little busier, uh, just kind of all evens out to around eight to 10. Uh, currently, we split call 50-50, uh, so I'm on call 50% of the time. Obviously, when she was on postpartum leave, I was on call 100% of the time and doing 100% of clinic, uh, so that was really helpful to actually integrate into the practice. Um, we do two clinic days a week uh, total, so most months I'm doing about five clinic days. Uh, we stack them, so they are like 12 to 13 hour long clinic days, but at mm -hmm. least we keep them a little um, contained because whenever a birth happens, that has to take priority and we don't want to have to cancel clinic for a birth if we can help it. Mm -hmm. um, so the person who's not in clinic that week is on call and that person also does home visits. And we do home visits for our clients at 36 weeks, at one day postpartum, five days postpartum. And, um, and that's, that's about it for home visits. We... So we are more holistically minded midwives. Um, so sometimes when there's like, um, you know, different fertility issues, we'll counsel on. Um, we don't get too far in depth with that. Um, but yeah, we do. We do GYN. We do IUDs. We do PAPs. Um, just kind of anything that people need that we feel is in our scope. Mm -hmm. It does vary, but I would say it averages out to about 30 hours per week. Um, cause on those clinic weeks, it's really just the two clinic days. So it's about 24 hours plus doing some work at home or some random visits if I need to help out the other midwife. Um, and then call weeks, it's hard because yeah, call weeks can be zero hours if we have no births mm -hmm. or it can be, you know, a, a lot of hours, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I would say my work week averages out to about 30 hours a week. Okay. Do you feel like that schedule is do you feel like you have a good work-life balance? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know any midwife who has it better. Um, I mean, I know that there are hospital and birth center midwives that make more money than I do, but I also know that they, they bust their butts doing a lot of births uh, and a lot of hours. So I really feel like our practice is the perfect size for us to where we're able to maintain a certain level of intimacy with our clients and really develop those relationships um and also be able to pay ourselves and and live yeah and and speaking of that what in colorado springs as a home birth practice what is your what does your salary look like um so i so i started out on the on the lower end to be honest and i was planning on staying part-time at the hospital that i had been working for um, and then over time, business has looked really good. So I actually just got my last salary bump that I will get until we just see how the practice looks in the future. And I'm currently making 61000 a year gross. Okay. Does you, since it is a small business, do you get 
things like health insurance, malpractice, CEUs, anything like that? So uh, she takes care of our liability insurance. She takes care of all of my licensing fees, ACNM membership, um, any sort of CEUs or licensing requirements. Uh, health insurance, since we are a small practice, we're not able to do that. Luckily, I am on my husband's health insurance. Okay. And so things like vacation coverage, things like that, you guys just cover for each other when you want to Yeah, we just cover for each other. So we try to limit it. But, um, you know, we also try to help each other out as much as possible. So this week I'm taking or this year I'm taking four weeks. um, And she and then whenever we're on postpartum leave, it's 12 weeks and half pay. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really nice that you guys do that. Yep, that's really nice. Um, we're both young, so we feel like that's important to, and yes. I mean, obviously we're trying to protect that space for women, so it makes a lot of sense to protect that space for ourselves as well. Yeah, good for you. So Colorado is an autonomous practice state. Correct. So how, right, correct. And then, so how do you guys work your, as far as like backup support and things like that? How does that, how does that work for you? So we have a good established relationship with uh, with UC Health in town, and that's the main that's the hospital that t- both um, both Tiffany and myself used to work for. Um, so those hospitalists do meet with us twice a year, and we kind of go over different scenarios, work out any kinks that might be coming up, and it has made for a very positive environment um, to where most of the time transfers go very smoothly. Our clients feel that they're treated with a lot of respect, and um, you know we don't have to have that that fear to transfer that I know can be common in different states. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also utilize both MFM practices in town when we need to um, for any issues that might arise. We also have a physician working up in Denver that is willing to do versions for us, which is very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as backup, um, I think that the main thing we've done for backup is that she brought me on board. Uh, we keep our practice pretty small, so we've never had lightning strike and had three births happening at once. Thank mm-hmm. um, but so if one of us is not on first call, we're still on second call as long as we're in town. Um, so just because I'm off call doesn't mean that I wouldn't go go to any second second births that are happening. Yeah. Um, there is a wide, wide community of certified professional midwives in town. Um, we do sometimes utilize them as well if um, if everything is just nuts. Um, so we maintain a good relationship with them as well. So now that you have practiced for a year in the wonderful, intimate environment of home birth, why are you? Why do you come to work every day? Why are you a midwife now? So. The first year of being a midwife is challenging. Um, I don't think it could have been any easier than it was. Um, <laughs> I I love, I absolutely love what I do. I can't imagine practicing in any other way. And with time, I'm really starting to have more confidence in my skills and what I bring to the table. And it gets easier and easier over time to just really focus on relationships um, and just being able to be present in the moment and not be, you know, kind of nervous that you're going to, to do anything wrong or, or um, you know, just not have to be so hard on yourself, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love birth. I think that 
uh, I think that doing it the way we do it is best for women. Because I mean, I think that I honestly think that any midwife anywhere or OB thinks that their model of practice is the best for women. Um, but I just love seeing women become empowered. Um, I just went to do a home visit today for a gal who's, um, you know, doesn't have a lot of, a lot of financial resources, um, doesn't have a lot of like local support, but just watching her go from, you know, kind of being nervous and unsure of herself to being able to give birth in her own own home without medication. Um, she's just so proud of herself. Yeah. And I see this kind of light shining in her that wasn't there before because she knows that she can do anything that she sets her mind to now. Um, I so that. I would say empowering women is really what it's always been about for me is just watching women, especially first time moms just go from from being women to being mothers uh, is such an incredibly powerful thing. And it just changes you so much as a midwife to watch that, I think. Yeah, it's it's an incredible opportunity. And I, I like to say I'm kind of an accidental feminist because, um, you know, I mean, not that I would consider myself not a feminist, but just getting to see how different um, how different it can be when women feel empowered just really makes me want that for every woman. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, I did have another question about your practice. I forgot to ask, but do you to have hospital privileges at this time? And if not, Oh, is that something you'd consider in the future? Uh, we don't currently have hospital privileges. Um, none of the out of hospital CNMs in town do, including the midwives at our local birth center. It is something mm -hmm like to pursue eventually. Um, but I feel like it's almost for me personally, I feel like it's a fine line because not having ready access to interventions makes us less interventive. And I feel like the majority of the time that we are having to transfer, it's because we do need more advanced help. Um, mm -hmm. same time, you know, if we have a woman that just needs Pitocin and, epi and an epidural, I can manage those things competently. Um, yeah. as so that can be frustrating to kind of lose control of like the plan of care in a transfer situation. Um, but we tran we transfer so rarely that I'm not sure that the all the bureaucracy of having hospital admitting privileges would necessarily be worth it. Um, yeah. But depending on who's in charge of the OB department um, as time goes forward, um, and if they're receptive to that, and if our hospitalist group would potentially be willing to sponsor us, that's definitely something that we would be open to. Yeah. When they transfer now, do you two um, stay at the hospital with them or do you just come back and visit? How does that work for you? So it depends on the situation. Um, when we have antepartum risk outs, um, we'll usually go closer to the time of birth. But if we have an mm -hmm. intrapartum risk out, for the most part, we're staying there. Um, I mean, if, you know, let's say like we were transferring for failure to progress and the client was only like two centimeters dilated and we'd been with her for 20 hours. Yeah. We're going to go home and get some rest and come back yeah. when things get closer. Um, but, um, all of my recent transfers I've stayed until they're stable postpartum. Okay. You have such a nice, I love hearing home birth, birth center practices. It, it's so it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And there's such a need for it. Um, 
there's such a need for it all across the country. I think, you know, it's scary to start your own business and I'm so glad that I didn't have to, but mm -hmm. I really think um, a message out there for any student midwives or new midwives looking for work is that women need your skills. There is such a vast need. And if you can just hang, hang up your own sign and start doing births, you'll find mm -hmm. that there are a lot of women that need you. Mm -hmm. Are you all looking to grow or are you going to keep it intimate for now? So we're really happy with where we are at right now. Um, I think that it can kind of fall into a trap where like it's nice to have more midwives, but the more midwives you have, the more births you need to support those midwives. And then we'd be growing to like similar to birth center volume. And we love our local birth mm -hmm. center. They already have, um, I believe, five midwives. So it just makes it harder for clients to get to know each midwife. So we are happy with the size that we are at for now. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, so do you have like a favorite book or resource or something, anything that you would recommend for somebody that is, has their eyes set on this career? Um, I really, my favorite book lately has been Expecting Better. If you've heard of that, um, it, I, I actually recommend it more for clients than maybe for potential midwives. Um, but I think it's really valuable for both. Um, and it just kind of goes over, it's a gal who, um, she's an economist with her PhD and she gets pregnant and starts asking her physician for recommendations about things like coffee. And she ends up getting different answers from different people. So she actually delves into the primary literature that all of our kind of carte blanche recommendations are based on and gets into like, well, here's what the actual evidence says. Um, and here are the strength of the studies and now you can make your own decision. So wow, I think that is a good resource. I want to read that. It's so good. And she also, um, of course her baby grew up. So she also has one called crib sheet, which mm -hmm. is um, similar, but for early childhood. I love that. I'm going to have to check that out. Mm -hmm. You'll love it. I'm eating it up. <laughs> Um, so in your journey to midwifery, do you have a quality or something about your own character that you feel has made you successful? So I would say perseverance and dedication and stubbornness are the qualities that have helped me most in the last few years. Um, once I set my mind to a path, I'm kind of all or nothing. Um, so I'm not easy to scare off. I would say the challenges of being a midwife are more and different than I ever could have comprehended that they would be when I was first looking at the, at doing this as a career. So I think just really connecting to the calling that you feel to the good things about the work and not letting hard work, um, hard hours and hard situations scare you off is really important. Do you have any, advice that you would give that we haven't already talked about because you've said so many great things be patient with yourself while you are learning um, most people don't go straight through school I feel like to become a midwife um, it's usually you know you become competent at something else and probably good at something else and I think my biggest drawback especially while I was in school was feeling like I needed to be the perfect midwife even as a first day midwifery student um, I think that that made it more stressful than it needed to be and probably 
Um, you know, although I got through school fine and everything worked out well with that, um, it probably made it harder and more stressful than it needed to be. So I would say, give yourself a break, realize that you're a learner and, uh, realize that the learning will come over time and then it's not going to come overnight. I would say that fighting perfectionism is <laughs> probably a battle every midwife fights. I would imagine. That's kind of probably all of our character. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good advice. That's good advice. So give us our last little plug on your, your amazing business, your website, your Facebook page, all the things. So I work for another midwife, so it's just the two of us, and the business name is Mountain Miracles Midwifery. Um, we post every time we go to a birth, um, just with a little snippet of how it went. Um, so you can find us on Facebook, and the website is mountainmiraclesmidwifery.com. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I love hearing about um, home births and I think that you shared a really, really great message for somebody that would be aspiring, especially so many midwives want to go into home birth. Um, you have a great story that you can manage work and life. And I think that is a concern for some people. And so it was good to hear that from you. Yeah, absolutely. It was nice talking with you, Amber. It was great talking with Lauren and hearing about the refreshing lifestyle of a home birth midwife, her clients, and the beautiful bond that they develop throughout all of their care. As Lauren explains, doing home birth midwifery really is a lifestyle. When you are off, you are always on. You're always thinking about it. You're taking it home. You're always on call for your for your partners, be that one or two or three, but usually home birth is a small practice, so you're always available. The balance to that is that sometimes you have weeks that are light and maybe you aren't working full-time hours, but stepping into home birth does mean giving all of you, your heart, your soul, your time, your emotions. So it is a beautiful story to tell, but I think one that a midwife going into that practice needs to be realistic and understanding about. So thank you, Lauren, for sharing your story. And if you want to check out her practice, it's called Mountain Miracles Midwifery in Colorado Springs. If you're in Colorado Springs, look her up to be your midwife for your birth. Remember, I would love to interview you. You can reach me at journey to midwifery podcast at gmail.com on Instagram as midwife.mommy. You'll find the link in my bio for the podcast and to set an appointment with me. And please, 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 if you enjoyed this, please give a five-star review and comments are also really helpful.